Hello and welcome to our podcast, Ogging the Alien, where we discuss movies that we love and sometimes love to hate. I'm your co-host Darcy, pronouns he and him. And I'm your co-host Karen, Darcy's mum, pronouns she and her. And we're going, today's movie that we're going to talk about is Wes Anderson's The Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, but before we get into that, we, t- we like to just talk about any movies that we've seen in the past week. So Darcy, did you want to talk about what you've seen this week? Yeah, so um, this week I sort of unintentionally uh, went on a Adam McKay binge Um I didn't really know who that was before this week, but it turns out... Yeah, I, I was going to say, Anna uh, McKay, I might need you to um, I've watched about just every movie he's made this week, or any a lot of notice, notable ones. Um, he is a director who recently um, uh, put out Don't Look Up, the big sort of Netflix controversial movie about um, a meteorite coming to Earth. Um, but he's done uh, movies like The Big Short, Moneyball, and Vice, all which I watched this week. Um unintentionally realizing that they were uh from him from the same director um but they all sort of have a similar style and i was, I was recommended um moneyball and vice um so i checked them out after enjoying um the big show which i've seen a few times and they're all just fascinating movies i mean they're all about except maybe moneyball about controversial topics i don't really understand baseball so i didn't get a lot of the the deeper sides of, of Moneyball, but it was a sort of fun, entertaining movie. Um, less so to Adam McKay's style that he's developed in later movies. Um, he's really developed such a more unique style that's quite out there that you don't necessarily see as much in Moneyball. But they're all just really interesting character piece films that really take wild characters and delve super deep into them. I, I really had a fun time watching these. Um, yeah. What about you? Have you seen anything good? Um, yeah, this week I went to the movies at Ooh. the cinema and and saw Nightmare Alley. <laughs> it's sort of unusual these days to go to the cinema, I suppose, but I love a cinema experience. Um, so, yeah, I saw Night- Nightmare Alley. And, um, yeah, this is um, uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro. And it's based on a novel, a 1946 novel by William Lindsay Gresham. It's really um, a bit of a morality tale and it, and it definitely feels like an old style, you know, story in the way it unfolds and then mm. um, reaches this sort of fated conclusion at the end. I don't want to spoil it for people. Um but yes, it does sort of all tie together very neatly at the end. Um, Stan, it stars Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Ro- uh, Rooney Mara. Mara? <laughs> Hopefully, I've got that right. She plays Molly and Tony Collette. Um, interestingly, it's also got um, Willem Dafoe in it, who's also in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, and there's a beautiful little part paid, played by Mary Steenbergen, who I think was terrific in a very small role. Um, yeah. I, look, I found it very, very long. I really think um, the director was um, really wanting to give the actors a lot of space and also give the beautiful sets, um, you know, lots of lots of room to be absorbed. So it feels like this movie just really was allowed to go as long as it feels like a director's cut rather than a hmm. you know a tight I, 
platform yeah. interviewers. I haven't seen um, it myself, but um, I do know it's also a remake of an old movie, a really, really old one from around the same time of the book. Yeah, 47. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've kind of gotten the impression, and I should watch it before I make any statement, but um, that uh, it wasn't edited harshly enough. Um, and that perhaps yeah. a lot of it could have been potentially cut to make a, a better yeah. final product. Yeah, look, it's beautiful to look at, um, but there were times when you're just waiting for thing for the for the plot to progress. Not for three hours. <laughs> it, just, it just feels like there's you know not enough plot points to fill. You know, I think it goes for two and a half. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's just not enough plot points to sort of fill the two and a half hours. It could be told in a. I, I like a nice tight script i like things that um yeah don't don't have a lot of flab in them and um so i found this one just that was my main yeah yeah but still lovely to look at um yeah lots of good points about it well um it's a bit gruesome of, but yeah yeah uh, anyway speaking of, of um, short concise films uh the movie we're discussing this week fantastic mr fox is definitely a lot tighter um i think we should talk about that movie now so uh basically i just watched it yesterday um fantastic mr fox i don't know when you you saw it but um it's still pretty fresh in my mind it's a lot shorter than most movies by today's standards so let's just do a sort of a little overview of our opinions first and then delve into the spoilers later on yeah um, so this was my choice for the week. So Darcy and I take it in turns to pick our main, our main movie that we're going to discuss each week. And I wanted to pick a Wes Anderson film and I thought Fantastic Mr Fox was a good follow-on from the movie that we discussed last week as it's another animated feature. This one's stop motion. Um, and I just find Wes Anderson films, um, you know, they're so quirky, they're so individual, they're always beautiful to look at. There's always so much attention to detail in every scene. There's always little Easter eggs in them. Um, you know, if you if you look for them, you'll see references to things that that um, Wes refers to in other films, or or they're where his influences. Um, and he uses a lot of the same actors, and so. Um, you just get quite a different sort of film from him. And this one, obviously, it's in, it's um, uh, an interpretation of Roald Dahl's book by the same, ta- by the same name. Um, and he said that he was inspired by Roald Dahl, so he wanted to um, use that to, to make his own vision of what, of what he saw the story to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just find it um, really a joyful, fun, um, you know, I just I find it a really great uh, uplifting film to just sort of You're not going to like me this week. And... <laughs> <laughs> you aren't going to like me yeah. this week. And I, I just love looking at it and, and you know, so the, I, I did rewatch it Um just this mm. week, and I freeze-framed a couple of things just to look at some of the finer detail in, in some of the um, the scenes. It was good fun. Yeah, Darcy, over to you. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to um, start off too heavy-handed, but um, <laughs> I will just say you sound like that, me last week, where I was uh, struggling. <laughs> yeah, the uplifting and fun and. 
did you say quick? I don't know. Uplifting and fun. Definitely quick, actually. Yeah, that's fitting. Um, is not what I would what I would use to describe it. I remember this movie from when I watched it when I was much younger as being uh, scary and miserable. Um, now what <laughs> rewatching it, less miserable and less scary, but not joyous. I feel like the premise is quite grim. The outcome mm. is is quite grim as well. I, I feel like it's just overall quite grim. And, um, you know, that's quite uh, a Wes Anderson style of filmmaking. And Roald Dahl as well, both very sort of grim creators in quirky ways. I don't know that Wes Anderson is necessarily Definitely. Grim. Most of his movies have weird grim elements. They're not – they're shown in a joyful oh, okay. way. Like they're, right. they're made okay. – they're played off quirk in quirky ways. But they do have grim undertones. I mean – Oh, there's always light and dark. Or, it's always uh, got light and dark in them. Yeah, exactly. They they do get quite grim, and this one heavily leans into what I feel. Um, the tones are not muted at all, even though um, I assume this was sort of a kids' film film, which I guess it really isn't. Um, but it, it, I it, 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 didn't love it. I will say it was unique, um, and I think if you're going to make a Roald Dahl movie, this is the way to do it. But to say. As for what it is, it does it well. But to say if I enjoy the experience of watching it, I wouldn't say I do. Um, mm. It's it's interesting and I'll watch it, but I won't choose to watch it. I won't go out of my way and say I feel like watching this movie. It's more I'll see it out of curiosity. Um, and Wes Anderson is a director who I have a real sort of love-hate relationship with. I love Isle of Dogs and I, I feel like that's a better movie than Fantastic Mr. Fox, personally. And that's one I would like to potentially watch in the future. I think that would be a good one for us to discuss. Um, but, and some of his movies are fantastic. And I not, don't want to write him off entirely. But I do always <laughs> Well, get I'm the... sure Mr. Anderson will be pleased to hear that you're <laughs> not writing him off. <laughs> well, it's, it's just that I do sort of always get the irky feeling whenever I'm watching a movie of his, most of the time, that... He's trying too hard to be quirky. And, uh, you know, okay. I can't really blame yeah, him for that. Like, he's, he's a creative going wild. And I think that's cool. And I, I, I don't want to stop him from doing whatever he wants to do. Right? I'm not saying he shouldn't be quirky or different. But it just feels unnecessarily overboard. And, I mean, it's different because, yeah, like, if he doesn't do it, who's going to do that kind of stuff? Right? Like, <laughs> but uh, The world will be crying out for some sort yeah. of movie that I, they don't know they <laughs> it is kind of exciting to see something that weird and and interesting and visually like unique but just sometimes it, it felt out of place and it feels it, it just felt what do you mean like particular little, parts yeah. of it felt out of place or um just uh ang camera angles and positioning of characters just feel a bit off i think that's purposeful though i think obviously i mean obviously it's purposeful um he puts a lot of detail into how he does these but it i i'm probably just being too critical but i just can't help but feel like some of the the scenes when you place a camera in a certain spot or like one of the biggest things that was sort of and this doesn't make me an authority on this over anyone um but one of the things that's was drilled into me when I was studying film at university was that every kind of shot should have intention. Every 
camera angle and stuff should have a reason. Why are you choosing that lens over another? Why are you choosing this uh, camera position or angle yeah, for sure. over a different one? And usually it needs to, or almost always, it should serve the, the story in some way. Yeah. It should have a yeah. meaningful thing. Um, but it, I couldn't help but feel like he was trying to meet his quirkiness and would sometimes just do things just to meet that that didn't serve the story. And so you have this disconnect between the quirkiness serving the story and it just being there for the sake of quirkiness that doesn't serve the story. You, do you know what I mean? Okay. Like, that's sort of the impression I sort of got from it. Anyway, um, to sort of just give a, a, a rating, um, I'm just going to give it uh, – I'll say, like, if we're doing it out of – Five? Do we do a five? Oh, we've done it. We've done it ten every other week. Ten. So maybe we'll okay. just stick to ten. Right, I think we do it out of fox tails this week. Um, okay. Uh, probably six and a half fox tails out of. Oh, harsh. Ten. Well, I'm going to give it eight fox tails because um, I, I definitely that... think there are better Wes Anderson films, but um, I think this one yeah, still stands also... up. Sorry, you're also like a harsher, harsher sort of uh, rater than I am in the last few weeks i mean you, you obviously didn't really love the last one but even the first week you were a bit more critical in your rating than yeah, i was yeah yeah so, and look um our ratings are really subjective it's not like right. you know we've got some sort of formula that we're coming up with you know story plus you know um technical ability plus you know it's just it's just what we Roger like Herbert and what we appreciate um, and a lot, often it'll be, you know, if we've enjoyed the movie, it'll get a higher rating, even if perhaps the story could have been, you know, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's, um, yeah, get a bit more into spoiler territory. Um, what sort of uh, were your key takeaways from the story? <laughs> key takeaways. Um, I just love the visual elements of this movie, mm. the stop motion animation is incredible. And, and, you know, my mind boggles when I think about the amount of hours and hours and hours of manipulating those little puppets and things went into um, making this film and the detail of their, of the faces, particularly fantastic mm -hmm. Mr. Fox and, um, and Felicity Fox. Uh, you know, when they do the close-ups and you see the individual hairs on their yeah. faces move. Um, and I should just say, um, so the voice actors in the in the main roles in this, we've got George Clooney as Foxy Fox and Meryl Streep as his, his, his name. wife. Yeah, yeah, Foxy Fox. Felicity Fox is, um, yep. is his wife. They've got a son called Ash who's played by Jason Schwartzman. Um, Bill Murray plays Clive the Badger. The rat oh. is Willem, Willem Dafoe, as I mentioned earlier, uh, him being in this. Um, Owen Wilson, who's in a lot of um, Wes Anderson movies because they've been friends since college, um, he yeah. plays the coach. I can't think of a single Wes Anderson film where I've noticed Owen Wilson there. I know, That's I know. Crazy. I told Kes the same thing and Kes was like, but Owen Wilson does those sort of, you know, hammy comedies or... Um, or like love... Rom-coms. Uh, Rom-coms, whatever. Yeah, yeah. and then um, I was also going to mention that uh, Christopherson 
is played by Eric yeah. Anderson and Wes himself plays Stan the Weasel. Stan Weasel, who, um, you know, he's the real estate agent. That's great. Uh, yeah. Uh, the real estate agent was hilarious. I, what I will say is I loved, there were so many things I did love about the movie. Even if overall I didn't find it joyful, there were just little elements that really did um, amaze me. And that part of that was, of course, the stop motion. I love that. Um, but also just the, the sort of the world they built for these animals, the fact that they oh. have real estate agents and um, their own sort of economy and, and, uh, newspaper and everything like yeah it's it just kind of funny but I think Roald Dahl sort of you know established that world and then totally where's that's the detail and that makes you just the delivery disbelief. as well they yeah. deliver it perfectly like when he goes to his um lawyer and discusses buying a buying that tree like it just that that scene you know it's not <laughs> it's not broken down for yeah. a kid's film it just sounds like it's straight out of a um I don't know like a a boardroom <laughs> Yeah, it's, just, it's brilliant. I love like it. Like it's a regular discussion, and this is why I don't think it's really what you would call a kids' film. I think it is a family film, in that yeah. kids could watch it. But I think a lot of the humour you only notice when you yeah. are older, because it's I definitely know, it's little asides between exactly. Foxy Fox and his wife, or you know, like just little comments that. I think part of the reason I didn't enjoy it even more as a kid was I the parts that you're supposed to enjoy I didn't get, and then the yeah. parts that I did get I didn't enjoy. <laughs> um, whereas now, uh, I get a lot more and I enjoy parts and don't enjoy other parts. Um, what's cool about one thing I will say about the stop the stop motion is I learned about this technique that um, uh, is used in a lot of stop motion and I imagine in this as well, uh, where they. Uh, to to get motion blur so it doesn't look uh, really high frame, um, where it doesn't look like the motion is perfectly. Uh, ha- I, I'm not sure how to word this, but it looks jarring if you just keep taking the 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 frames, um, so to speak, when the characters are stopped, which is ironic, which is where the name stop motion comes from. Um, and there's this technique called go motion where they actually have the character on a rig and the second they take the photo or the split you know microsecond they move the character ever so slightly so that you get oh, motion okay. blur in the picture the picture's blurry and oh. when you put that together in a scene that's high speed or there's any kind of movement right it adds motion blur to the final result it's just a f- fun little thing that i definitely think this movie would have been full of because it's super fast paced it's very quick the whole movie yeah yeah, um, yeah, and there's lots of yeah, there's lots of action. That's for sure. Mm. Um, but I think when I I was trying to think back on which bits of the movie do I particularly enjoy, and they're actually not necessarily those action scenes, although you know they're great. But um, I love when they're moving into their treehouse, and I also love there's only the mm-hmm. one scene when they're in their underground burrow that they live in at the very beginning of the mm. film. And, you know, Foxy Fox is, is unhappy because he thinks that living in a, a burrow isn't a, isn't a very nice... He, th- he, he, said it, he says it makes him feel poor and he wants to have a better life. So he looks yeah. for somewhere else for them to live. And that's when things sort of start to go a bit pear-shaped for them. Um, 
But in that burrow, if you actually like freeze frame it, the detail, you know, you see the the wife, you just, you see later on that Felicity Fox paints these awesome landscapes. And then Mm. in that burrow, they've got several of her landscapes on the wall, but there's also one on the floor leaning on the wall. You know, um, the newspaper that he's reading, you can, when it actually like folds yeah. out, he's, he's looking at the actual articles. You can freeze frame on that, and you can actually read the articles, and they they make sense. They're about what's happening, what's going to happen in the film. They're sort of foreshadowing things that are going to happen later in the <laughs> film by just giving you little little hints, right. and um, and you know you could look at um, all the little yeah details in the kitchen. The, the jams that he's got sitting next to him are actually made from goose and chicken <laughs> and um, they've, they're called funny little names. Um, and then even that conversation that, that Foxy Fox and Felicity Fox have in the kitchen, it's just very like like a normal husband. Yeah. Chatting in the kitchen, he's saying, "Does anyone ever even read my column? Do any of your friends read it?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, sure. My friend, you know, so and so says she would read it if she bought the paper, but she doesn't buy the paper." So, <laughs> um, so I love that. And then I love when they're moving into the tree and they're redecorating it, and the, mo- and you get the montage of the removalists and the renovators. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can just. Yeah, it really is a joy to watch um, at home so that you can freeze frame it and just look at what's going on. I missed an opportunity there. Um, (laughs) You have to go back and watch it again. One thing I, yeah, one of the bigger things that I didn't like about the movie was the story. I love all the little micro stories. You can't blame Winston. No, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I can't. But it's about the film. You know, it's not about Wes Anderson. We're not critiquing Wes Anderson. Yeah, um, true, true, true. We're just critiquing the, the whole film, and that includes the story. So part of that is that very quickly I thought that what was happening with Bogus Bonson Bean, the uh, three enemies of the film, oh, when good, he first... Good re- recall there. Bogus oh, it's Bonson just such a Bean. catchy name. <laughs> um, when he first... They're the villains. They're the villains of the movie, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, When he first hits them, um, so to speak, steals their goods. Yes, he goes out with um, a maid of his and and steals from them. Yes, they're farmers and he steals Yeah, one each night. And he sneaks down and takes their their goods. Um, It was very early on, because it's a short film and I'm just used to movies being so long these days, it felt like this was the predecessor to further things occurring, which is true. But I thought it was going to more be the case that this was the the very very first predecessor and that they would then do, Fantasy Mr. Fox would then start doing more and more elaborate things to steal from them more and more and it would escalate from there. But it pretty much goes from that to them being hunted down straight away. And that was very quick. Um, and then from there, they, you know, they're on the run being hunted down. Yeah, their beautiful treehouse is just blown to smithereens, yeah. which I always feel very shocked and sad when I see that. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that... that helps you to really dislike 
the, the villains, Bogus Bunsen totally, being the fathers also, for doing that it, to them. It makes me dislike Fantastic Mr. Fox the whole way through. Like, what, what I was going to say is, skipping forward to the end, they're almost, like, everyone, when when they're at the very end, they they can't return home, so they're all living in the, these sewers now. They make quite a nice home there. But they all seem pretty happy with it, which is fine. Um, but especially with Fantastic Mr. Fox, they actually seem to have made resolution with him. They were annoyed at him earlier, um, they because he sort of caused the destruction of their home inadvertently. Um, yeah, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, they, yeah. They find a, they they seem to make peace with that and resolve it and be actually very happy with him and whatever. But I found that so bizarre because he just screwed up everyone's life. And yes. I don't think he even apologized for it. Like he knew doing this would be bad. He even took uh, his, his wife's uh, nephew along, which I don't even think she even brought up, which is just the craziest part as well, because if he got, which he did later on get captured, uh, but that was yeah. a separate incident. But if he got captured then and hurt or anything, I mean, that, that would have been it. Like that's just, awful that he does so many awful selfish things and then by the end he doesn't really apologize he just says oh you know i just need to be fantastic and then everyone's kind of okay with it and i was left the movie (laughs) thinking well this is pretty miserable and this guy's pretty awful like (laughs) yeah he's um yeah it is his fault that because he decides that he needs to go and steal from these three um farmers yeah, and he'd promised his wife that he'd given up his life of stealing and um, was just going to be a newspaper man, but that wasn't enough for him. And I think there's a message in there that they have to be a little bit wild because they're animals, they're, they're untamed, undomesticated mm. animals, so they're better. They're going to be happier when they're a little bit wild, even though they wear tailored clothing and, you know, um, yeah. have regular jobs like a real estate agent and a lawyer and a um a journalist yeah maybe you know it's it's about them sort of kidding themselves for pretending to be um people in a way and you know that's part of that's part of a role uh, look i do think is... i don't think there's really a, a clear moral to this tale no i don't think it's not. no i think it's like saying he was necessarily what he did was fine because it sort of worked out okay in the end. Um, mm. I th- yeah. And, and you know, perhaps that is a reason why the film, this film didn't do great at the box office. In fact, I'm not sure it really turned a profit. Really? It sort of fell a bit flat. And that might be why, because people don't come out of it feeling necessarily um, joyful by, at the end. Although the yeah. final scene is a, is a nice, happy scene because they've discovered a way to get from the sewer into the supermarket, the the, the bogus and bean supermarket, and yeah. they get in there after hours and basically have a party. Yeah, yeah, basically, uh, and that that was cool. And yeah, I was just going to say, like, part of a world bar story is that the resolution is never necessarily, it's good, but not in the way that good things should be. Um, one of the, the most sort of iconic, in my memory, um, uh, Roald Dahl books, 
just because it stuck with me the most. We read it in school was, uh, I think, The Twits, I think it was called. Um, oh, yeah. And it's just about this awful couple who are miserable, and I can't really remember the other characters, um, but I just remember that at the end, the way that they sort of got the twits in the end was by putting everything, basically making the house upside down. So they stuck all the furniture onto the roof so that when the twits went inside, because they were really dumb, they thought that they were upside down. So they glued their head to the ground so that they could stand upside down. And then they just stuck like that. I've got to admit, I've never read this book, which I I think It's it's probably a pretty forgotten Roald Dahl book. Oh, no, I don't think it is. I think it's pretty well known, actually. Okay. Well, it, it's, it has just stuck with me, that, that visual, because there's, there's pictures in those books as well, and it just really stuck with me. So those books, whilst, you know, it's it's good and funny because they got the, the villains, but it's also pretty miserable the way that they that they did get them um, and, and grim. But um, so that's that's sort of a big part of, of a lot of Roald Dahl stories is this sort of grim undertone, even though they are meant to be kind of funny um, and obviously for kids. Um, so, obviously, the movie does that well, but yeah. I, I, I don't have a problem with movies being grim or not necessarily leaving you feeling joyful. But if they're going to do that, it feels hollow if there wasn't a point to it. I just feel, why did I watch something that made me feel slightly worse if there's no reason for that? Like, if it makes you feel worse, but it exposes an issue. <laughs> Or, it's, or it makes you think about something differently. It's kind of worthwhile in a way. Um, but this obviously didn't. I mean, there's an obvious commentary of, uh, you know, um, like you can think of um, a man who's overcoming pride in like a real human family who just does bad things out of selfish and pride reasons, which is the same way the reason as Mr. Fox is because he's proud. Um and ruins their family in the process but in the end everything just turns his way anyway where if you did that with real people people wouldn't like that i don't think one bit Mm. um because Mm. it's not it's not good it's not a good outcome um because it's just it's a reoccurring thing issue for him and he doesn't listen it's like he's just probably gonna do it again I don't know. That, that's sort <laughs> that's, of uh, yeah. Why? That is quite a sad and miserable um, yeah way to look at it. I think. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I see, I mean, what, I see what you're saying, and um, I mean, you know, he does just say at the end, well, you know, um, actually, it's his wife, I think, who says, yes, he's, um, you know, he isn't perfect, but he's, but he is fantastic. Mm. And and so that's how he sort of gets Why? away with it because because Why he has he? these incredible incredible leaps of logic in a way of going well so they so he attacks these farmers they retaliate by blowing up his house and all all not just his house but a whole bunch of other animals are also now homeless uh-huh. and his response to that isn't to say oh dear uh, well that didn't work he. Go, he retaliates further Which and attacks them again and they attack him again and it just, it just they just keep upping it they keep upping yeah. their um the stakes and I don't, you sort I of don't get ever... the impression in a way that it might never it might even continue mm-hmm. beyond the end of the movie that 
war yeah. between them. I mean, it's someone so fixated on their goal that they let everyone around them suffer. And that's what I don't like is it's just he really isn't fantastic in any way. So I just am irked by the ending when they, they think he kind of is. Because not only, like, when, when they're finally kind of, you know, burrowed deep underground on the run and they're in the uh, beaver mines, um, uh the the little mine shaft set up by the beavers. Um, they, uh, they learn. It's a good way that... of describing that. I hadn't thought of it being called being like that, but yeah, it is like that. And that's the one they get flooded out of. Yes, but um, yeah. or, or when I don't know if they're actually there, but they've been told that there's a bunch of I guess refugees there. They they call them refugees in the film. Um, but just you know, family or, or people. Um, animals, rather. Um, <laughs> Animal are, families. Are underground in the mine because they um, are on the run as well because of what Mr. Fox has done. And he's like, we'll get them help, right? You know, when he comes up with an idea and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I know how to dig us in the right direction to to figure it out. We'll, we'll get them help. Um, yeah. Because he's like, he tells Felicity, tell them we're like, we're going to get that help's coming. And she's like, is help coming? And he's like, I sure hope so. He, in this moment where everyone's struggling in a terrible situation, um, and the best thing they could honestly do at this point is dig in the uh, away from the danger and resurface elsewhere. Yes, yes. He, he digs them further in. <laughs> digs them under the, the one of the farms of the, the evil people and springs up inside their chicken coop and just and then um, steals like, like, all their food and all. yeah yeah feast and all and steals it all and it's like ah uh, you know i mean i guess yeah that's what i mean help, he just he, he doubles down each time he doubles down because because he's got this fixation that he's got to deliver something amazing for crazy. everybody and so then they're having this feast and then yeah. and then the farmers retaliate again and they're flooded and then yeah they end up in the oh, sewer but then yeah, I was expecting a point where people, a lot of movies do this, where the main character has done something um, sort of inconceivably wrong or they've they've messed up and everyone looks at them and then walks away in that dramatic scene where they all shake their head and walk off and the characters, the main character is alone um, and they realise that they're right, they're wrong. I was kind of expecting, and again, this is part of just a Roald Dahl story, not having this, but I was expecting there to be some kind of that, that version of that scene where at least his wife and maybe his kid just don't just are disappointed by his actions and recognize that. But instead, Felicity. I think there is a scene where his wife was. His wife was disappointed. She was at first, and then quickly turns around very quickly. Yeah, that's true. And then his his son, the entire film is just in awe of him. There's never a moment of doubt for the son. The son's just in pure awe the whole way. There's never a moment where they both realize that he's a flawed has messed up and then the fox on his own should you know if, if it was you know a happy movie whatever go and resolve the issue and make it right and everybody wins yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. that's how sort of a good quote-unquote version of the movie would um would go but again it's not that it's wes anderson and roald dahl who are both quirky and slightly grim creators making a movie so um or a story um so it's it's not going to play out the way a normal sort of 
Hollywood film would. And oh, the way, yeah, yeah, the way that you would perhaps want to. to and I'm not saying all movies go. should go that way or whatever, but it just makes me question the point. You were disappointed in in the way it ended. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, it is what it is. Um. Yeah. No, I get that. And I, I'm just thinking about that. You know, it is called Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I wonder if the name. Um, has some irony to it. Yeah, you know, maybe when so. Roald Dahl wrote it, it was meant to be a bit, a little bit ironic because he thinks he's fantastic and he tries to impress upon everybody else that he's fantastic. But is he really? You know, I'm maybe it's sure. up to you to make up your mind about that. I wonder if there's a misinterpretation a little bit from the book to the movie in a way, um, or a misrepresentation rather. But the book could potentially, because I don't know if I've actually read the whole the, the, the original book or at least i don't remember I, I might have done when i was very young um but it might do a much better job of, of expressing the irony of his title and his actions and um express that even by the ending when everyone kind of celebrates it that they're all kind of bad in a way or that he's he was bad like they might do a good good job of expressing that they're not you know it's not good what they what, what he's done <laughs> Um, and maybe yeah, the film a question played a it up a bit more, more to be more yeah. of a, a joyful ending. Yeah, because I think they do yeah. in the movie definitely try to paint um, the Mr. Fox as a as a hero at the end. By the end, um, for, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Especially because they, of they that wouldn't have had sequence. to go through any of that. If it the rescue been. sequence is is good, but um, and I I you know it's uh, it made sense Ash and Christoph and running off, sneaking off to steal back Mr. Fox's tail, which he lost to um, Bean, Mr. Bean. <laughs> yes, um, yes. Uh, yeah, Mr. Fox did lose his tail in the movie. So that was sort of, you know, that was a bit of um, poetic justice, mm. wasn't it? Yeah. Anyway, but yes, oh, the, yeah. the kids go off to try and steal it back. So that, yeah. Yeah. Because Mr. Gonna... Bean's wearing it as a necktie which they find yeah. quite an insult. And part of that was like a, a tile was a big part of his pride, um, you know, as a fox or whatever. Um, he even says when when someone mentions it to him at, um, when they're hiding out in the refugee mine, uh, someone asks him, so, you know, you lost your tail. How do you feel? He's just like, I don't want to talk about it. Don't, don't talk to me about that. But he doesn't acknowledge it. He's obviously very upset and, and embarrassed. But by the end, when he's got this rip, he, he ends up getting the towel back, but it's ripped to shreds. It's just a stringy little thing that he clips on with the safety <laughs> he, clip. Yeah, he has to clip it on. And yeah. someone, you know, he says, well, at least it's detachable now. Like, he makes a joke about that, and, and he seems to like it. And I guess what the film's trying to say is that, he, you know, even if what he did was wrong, he has changed. He has had an arc, and he's, um, he's, had a diff- he's got a different perspective now where he'll act differently. But I feel like that is... If that's what they're trying to express, I feel like they're tacking that on the end without proving that because it's not shown that he has actually changed in any way. He doesn't really have an arc in the movie. He starts off one way and ends mm. that way, but says he ends a different way. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, I get that. I think that's actually a good point. It's worth mentioning that that final little scene where he makes that speech about, well, you know, I might have lost my tail, but the upside is I've got a, it's detachable now. Um mm. That is not from the book. So um, basically, I, I, I haven't reread right. the book recently, but basically um, I, what I understand is the 
book is like act two of the movie. So there's a bit at the mm -hmm. beginning and a bit at the end that Wes created and then to, to sort of really? bookmark, um, bookend the, uh, the story. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so it would be, it sounds like you yeah. you'd find it interesting to go back and look at the um, the book and see how it was yeah, handled it be, there. Yeah. Yeah, it, it but um, that... oh, you go, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. I uh, yeah, it does make me think that maybe yeah, Wes Anderson's sort of additions might have taken a slightly different turn on things to what would have been intended, um, because it does seem like that ending sort of kind of tacks on a. A, a, a spin as if he had a good arc which he didn't and as if everyone is okay with it which they shouldn't be um i don't know if he tacked on the end if, in the if, beginning um, though the beginning was great i wonder yeah the beginning was great i wonder if he changed the ending to you know put this put that scene where they break into the supermarket and everyone gets to feast and they're all dancing you know Maybe he felt the pressure because this was going to, you know, be built oh. in cinemas as a as a family film, bring your kids to it. Maybe he mm. felt the pressure to have more of a happy ending. Look, I like the supermarket scene um, and I like that addition. And I think for what the film is, it needs that ending. If it just ends with them... Living in the sewer. They they win in a sense, you know. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Who wins? Quote, wins? When you say when you say but, they, sorry. That's the same quote unquote fantasy you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox quote unquote wins um oh, over right. yeah, over Bogus Bunts and Bean because they have this moment where they say, Well, we'll just wait them out. They're living in the sewers, we'll wait them out. They they they're limited on food. And if that's where the book ends, and that's quite miserable because it shows that they win. Focus sponsors and being because they can just stay there and wait, and you know that they trap, and it's a pretty sorry situation for them. So you kind of end with this mixed feeling, I guess, if that were the ending, yeah. that they've won the the villains. So I guess yeah. when it goes to Hollywood, or that, to or that the battle isn't over yet, that you know there's going to have to be, yeah, yeah, it, and it kind of impresses that they've lost, you know, because mm. that's where it does end. But if you show that they actually have a way to sneak into their supermarket and have endless food directly from the villains uh you know it, it's it's uh kind of poetic justice and it's um it's a much more satisfying resolution because then the main character quote-unquote wins um but the very idea that the corner that the character needs to win is inherently flawed because that's the exact motive that has driven Fantastic Mr. Fox to do bad things. Um, this idea that he needs to win, whether that's win over people, win over whatever, like he just always has yeah, this mentality that yeah, he needs yeah. people to like him and he needs to be doing things. Yeah. Um, he doesn't just rest and enjoy the life he's created. Yeah. I think you've made some good points, Stas. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I think I still I still like the movie I don't mind um, that it has some hmm. maybe some um, uh, story issues in the way the story resolves but um, I just love the way it's put together I love the way yeah. it looks, I love the feel of the movie 
Totally. And I'm probably being pretty critical, but I, and I, I did like the movie and it's definitely unique. And I feel like it's something you need to watch if you haven't just for the experience, because it is, it is um, interesting and unique and it is visually appealing and stop motion animation is always just so cool to see. But um, at the end of the day, I didn't and I didn't leave feeling so good. Um, yeah. You know, I'll be I, interested I, I, to, yeah. um, I'll be interested to talk about, we'll, we'll, down the track a bit, we might talk about another Wes Anderson movie because I've got, I've got at least another couple in mind mm. for, the, for the podcast. Um, but, yeah, I'll be interested to see what, what you think of those as well. Yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely be recommending um, Isle of Dogs one week. Um, because, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, don't know when, but um, definitely uh, in the future because I do remember enjoying that movie quite a lot. Um, and visually, I almost find it more appealing. This this whole movie, visually, I will just say the color grading can be described as orange. <laughs> um, but oh, that yeah. is, uh, which is That's fine. True. Um, and it's definitely a breakaway from Wes Anderson's usual pace of lots of vibrant colors. This whole movie was basically orange the whole way through. It had a strong <laughs> overtone of orange. Um, what I would have, sorry, just to circle back a little bit, what I would have liked to see is a change in that in that tone because when you sort of show a film with there there are kind of a universal quote-unquote handbook i keep saying quote-unquote this episode um but so to speak handbook of um semi semi kind of rules that usually cinematographers follow and that is certain colors express certain meanings and when you give an orange overtone to things it expresses nostalgia expresses memories maybe a bit of um like sonder or a bit of sadness um at the start it's a bit he's a bit miserable he's a bit glum and everything just feels a little bit hazier having the orange overtone makes sense but as the story progresses it would have been nice to see that color shift uh, to express oh, something yeah. to, with the thing right. to express yeah, anything okay. at the very end if it's still in the supermarket you do get that a bit because it's a lot brighter it's just a white fluorescent light in there yeah so maybe right. maybe that is doing that but just before then in sort of the other final scenes it's still that sort of orange overtone and it it does have the same kind of feel as the start of the movie yeah usually. yeah yeah no that's really interesting and um yeah i think you know it, it's good to get that perspective that you bring you know having having studied film just having that um, perception. Um, I'm sure it was, you know, a very deliberate choice. Um, totally. Yeah, I've no doubt. That it was done that way. But, yeah, no, I, I agree. It is It is the, the coloration does feel very orange. When, when I picture the film in my mind, I see lots just of orange. orange and yellow. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one word yeah. description, orange. That's my yeah. review of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but uh, just to sort of... Um, Anyway, wrap wrap things up. I I want to introduce a movie um, we're doing next week. Yes. Yeah. So there could be... um, So we're taking it in turns. um, So your choice for next week, Dallas. So uh, my choice is essentially going to be Alien, which is the namesake of this podcast. Uh, We titled this podcast, and I'm not sure who we've expressed this previously, um, based on our sort of you know, favourite films, not necessarily 
you know, if we had to ever make a list, not necessarily the number one, but movies that have really stuck with us and we can just quickly say are our favourite. Uh, anyway, yeah, so Alien is, is sort of my contribution to the title. Um, Augie being mums. So do you, want, do you want to explain a bit about that? Yeah, when we yeah, when we were trying to pick a name for the podcast, um, all the usual sort of names that say talking about movies or um, we're all taken. So, yeah, we did pick something that relates to our, um, basically our favourite movies. And I was really impressed years and years and years ago now by a movie called Smoke that probably most people have mm. never heard of, starring um, Harvey Keitel and William Hurt. And in it, it's set in New York and Harvey plays a character called Augie. And um, and so we were going to call it Smoking the Alien or Alien and Smoke or something like <laughs> that. I did like not that. like that suggestion. <laughs> no, it didn't, it didn't seem quite right. And then I think it was actually Kez that came up with, Kez is our producer, um, Kez came up with Augie and the Alien. So um, I won't be doing Smoke um, just yet. I'm not sure what week I'll do that yet, but um, it'll be coming up sometime. Yeah. But you want to you focus I'm, on I'm your... I'm definitely ready to get straight into Alien because I'm just super excited to watch it again. Um it's going to be an interesting one because I do recognize that it's not everyone's uh, cup of tea. A lot of people who are fans of uh, alien movies or the, the, the good ones at least uh, usually prefer the second one. And the second one is definitely something I will touch upon a bit just because it is somewhat relevant. But um, I, I love the first one. It's just probably the movie that's had the biggest impression on me. Um, and I, I can't think of a day that goes by where I don't think about it in some form. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, um, it just, yeah, it, it just, it's in, my, in the back of my head always in some way, whether it's the set design, the, the, the world, the characters, some element I always just relate to in, in mm, whatever I'm thinking about. Is it, is it, um, it's a bit shameful for me to admit that I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through. No way. I, I'm sure the first time I watched it was with you. Maybe not. Maybe not. Mm, I. That would have been over ten yeah. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, I doubt it. Just because. Um, well, this is exciting. I'm not. I'm not good. This. This is pretty. A pretty much a horror film. Would you say? Yeah. Like well, it's a sci-fi. It's a sci-fi horror. It's horror. Definitely. And um, I. I'm just not a real horror fan mm. but having said that well <laughs> i will watch a really good horror film um if the schlocky like ones i'm not you watched about, parasite but... which oh parasite was fantastic kind of a horror we movie, must definitely. talk about that yeah definitely yeah. we'll definitely Let's get that to that one, one day um I, in fact i think i've got the dvd right here um <laughs> yeah, any but, time but, i see but, a movie um, that i love i just go and pick up the dvd as soon as i can you're so old-fashioned. DVDs, crack. Well, what if um, it, you know, goes <laughs> off Netflix or something? I've got it. I've always got it. Um, I'm really looking forward. I'll be watching Alien this week so that I'm all primed for talking about it with you next week. Um, I'm really looking forward to watching it in the sense that I'll be watching it to see why this has been such a big influence on you. So that'll be, be fun for me. Yeah. I don't even know if there's one way, if you'll be able to recognise it or if it's a specific characteristic. I know why I love it, which I'll discuss later. But um, 
it'll be interesting to see what what you think and i do want you to also just watch it from fresh eyes don't just try and focus on what i might get out of it just try and try and enjoy it overall um get immersed sit back it's a ride yeah sit back and enjoy um so yeah that that sort of it from me so um, i thought i would just um touch on darcy we haven't really said um how we're picking the movies. So I just wanted to say um, we'd love suggestions of movies if you would like us to talk about a particular movie. You'll notice that we're not just talking about the latest movies, we're talking about much older movies and and that's what we want to do. We want to just pick out movies that we are really interested in talking about. Um, and I, and it's really important to me in, you know, we're taking it in turns to pick films so we have quite different taste Mm. and I'm really um I love being sort of challenged to watch things I wouldn't necessarily pick myself and it's also really important to me that we do try and um cover a a really diverse range of films and Mm. films that are not necessarily mainstream and films that are pretty you know, made by minority groups that might not Mm. necessarily get their voices heard in in Hollywood but yeah, we'll be looking for films that really yeah. tell the breadth of the of the you know human story. Basically, touching on that, I really want to. Um, uh, I mean, in general, I want to do some potentially theme things like around certain times of the year. I mean, in Halloween, for example, we could try and pick out a horror movie, which will push your boundaries once again. Um, <laughs> and then at Christmas, maybe pick a Christmas, a Christmas movie. movie. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And we can even just pick, you know, non-seasoned uh, themes like uh, seasoned, uh, but not not based around a season, but rather we could decide that um, we're both going to, for, you know, Fortnite, pick a movie that we specifically do not like or even hate um, to, to watch, to then talk about maybe. Um we could why it's awful <laughs> yeah i mean we'll, we'll just see what the other we might we might annoy break down we could break down movie. what we don't like about it you know that could yeah. be a fun sort of spinning things because um i think primarily we're probably going to be choosing movies we enjoy so it might be nice to do that but I, what i was going to say touching upon sort of um more diverse sort of spread of movies um is i really love international cinema and would love to um explore that more it's a weird phrase because when we talk about international cinema i mean normally anything that's not classed as international cinema is american but we aren't american so technically you know what what class what, what, what when we say international cinema what does that even mean like but i i, I love um you know movies from all around the movie from world, all, um, all around the world yeah me too, and i have me some too. great recommendations that i think we should definitely and we'll also to. um we'll also be picking out some really great australian films or at least i will i've got a couple of you, de- you definitely will coming up. um yeah yeah i'll have to um, see i'm hopefully I'm expose some of them movies. i'd love to expose some really great australian films you know, maybe to a wider audience because <laughs> we've got such a huge, I'm laughing because our audience is pretty small at this stage, but um, but it is international. So, you know, it's good to um, share yeah. films that people might might not have heard of and, um, you know, totally. encourage um, people to, to, to look at things. Yeah. Um, and my fun little thing that I'm going to try and do each week is just, connect up our movies so you know last week um 
Summit of the Gods was obviously an animation and this week I chose a, a, another animation. Mm. So that's an obvious line to draw. I'm going to have to really work hard to draw a line between Fantastic Mr Fox and Alien. But No, I can draw a line already. About... I mean, if you're talking oh, about, if you're talking about uh, animation, so to speak, we, jo- we went from hand-drawn to stop motion, which is puppeteered in some way. Well, a lot of Alien, the special effects were puppeteered as well. Mm. So... Um, uh, that will be interesting. So there is a connection there already. There I are don't think it's going to be as camera. Yes, I don't. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think the puppet work is going to be as cute in Alien as it was in no. Fantastic well, Mr. Fox. I mean, Fox. you know, you, when you see the the baby, <laughs> Aaron, it's pretty cute. <laughs> Although they were, oh, um, did, I don't. Not sure how you handled um, the scenes in Fantastic Mr. Fox when he was chewing the necks of chickens. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean just to clarify, I'm I'm vegan, so I don't eat, eat meat. But look, it's it's a contextual thing, and I I think that's kind of it, it's he's a fox, that's what foxes do. Still, I don't really care. Like it's it's just part of the movie. Um, it's just with fox, and it's all animated. Like it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it yeah, that's just that's just a fox. Um, anyway, so uh, that's my pick for next week. Um, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Augie and the Alien. And if you did like this uh, podcast, be sure to uh, give us a review or leave a rating on um, whatever platform you're using. Um, but this has been our ep- latest episode of Augie and the Alien. Thanks number three, episode number three. See you yeah. next week. Listening, listening. <laughs> <laughs> Did you well, want to well, redo it? Thanks for watching. Did you thanks want to just redo it? No, that's funny. <laughs>